Shall we begin? Let's begin. Irakondo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irakondo. Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal. Rich Bagaloo through the crowd. Five to up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined by my co-host James Jarvis, uh, but a little bit of an editor's note. We had recorded this episode on Wednesday, just when this whole thing was kicking off. Lots of disappointment, lots of frustration from football fans. Then James and I both got sick. I still sound a little bit sick right now. I was wiped out for a couple of days. Only started really finishing the edit Saturday night. This is when I'm recording this. And then we saw the scenes that everyone by now has witnessed from the Melbourne Derby. And it totally threw out all the plans that we had for this episode I had some comedy bits that will never see the light of day because it won't make sense because the reality is is that football has been changed tonight and the damage is done by what seemed like a hundred or so Melbourne Victory fans, if you even want to call them that. I'm not even sure if they were Victory fans or whether they're just people looking for trouble. But the reality is, is that football tonight has changed and that's terribly sad considering where we were two weeks ago. Unfortunately, we are still yet to find out exactly what the fallout of this is, but you go anywhere on social media at the moment and there are journalists who cover other sport who seem to have this anti-football agenda already jumping in our throats. You have people who are just frustrated and angry and caught up in the moment probably saying things that they might regret a day later. The whole thing is just a mess. And so instead of having what we were going to have at the beginning of this episode, I'm making a call just to cut it. It doesn't make sense. It would have made sense five days ago, but considering where we stand now, it's just not worth having it. So hopefully you enjoy this shorter episode where we just go back to doing what we usually do and we'll see what happens in a week's time. You can bet though that we will be there to cover the future and fringe Socceroos just like we'll be doing right now. I want to start off because we haven't really done this since the start of the World Cup. There's been a number of players that have played in, in recent weeks uh, and so one of them I want to highlight specifically is Ashley Maynard Brewer. Yeah, mate. Player that is featured in the youth ranks of this Australian footballing system. 180 minutes uh, in November. And it really adds fuel maybe to this fire because he is touted as one of the future goalkeepers for this national side. You've got him against Gauchi. And so it's great for him to get some minutes uh, over the last little bit. Oh, it really is. 180 minutes, two back-to-back starts. Uh, starting his first game in the league as well this season. 
against Port Vale before following it up with an FA Cup appearance, playing the full 90 as well against Stockport County. And that's really important because Ashley Maynard Brewer, I think, has the highest potential of any current goalkeeper coming through the Australian footballing ranks. So I think he's definitely the top option, but Gauti is currently a bit further ahead in his development. So it's this really interesting paradigm right now because Gauchi is at the point where he's going to be pushing for a soccer selection and Ashley Maynard Brewer has a higher ceiling but hasn't had the performances in, at the senior level to back that up yet. So it's great to see that he is now starting to get that uh, and get that breakthrough. And it's it's just so fascinating to me because for me, when I look at it, it just kind of screams to me as a Ryan Langerak situation again. We saw Matty Ryan really just breaks through Central Coast, do all his development here in Australia. Whereas Mitch Langrak, he came up in Australia, broke through at Melbourne Victory before going off to Borussia Dortmund and playing the rest of his career overseas. So actually Maynard Brewer, he made the jump over to Europe earlier than Langrak, but he's really plugging away in Europe, looking to get that breakthrough. And Gauchi is playing regular senior football here in Australia. So we could see a similar kind of situation between Ashley Maynard Brewer Maddie Ryan, akin to what we saw in the mid-2000s with Schwarzer. And the Australian goalkeeping position is always one that fascinates me, Lachlan, because for whatever reason, we do pretty darn well at developing those players. I really think we do. I wonder whether it's because people grow up playing sports like AFL, playing sports like cricket, where you've got to be good with your hand-eye coordination. I know there's a leap to go from being a good cricketer to being a good goalkeeper, but... Uh, athleticism bodes well for a position like goalkeeper. Also over in England, Caleb Watts, who's also featured for our young Socceroos, our uh, Ollie Roos, I believe, got an assist for Morecambe against Exeter just the other week. He did, and this is really important for Caleb Watts' development because this is probably his best game in a while. He suffered an injury towards the back end of last season which kind of kept him out of contention before being in and out of the squad this year. And this is the second of assist now for the season for him. And he was one of the better players as well for the Morecambe side. So Caleb Watts in need of senior football and good performances like he just had against Exeter, where he started out in the wide right position, which isn't really akin to where he's played for the young Australian sides previously. But the big thing is regular first team football for him and it gives a great foundation to build on that now. Yeah, it really does. A player that is a number of years ahead of him, playing almost in a similar sort of role. Maybe a player that you could look at as a, a model for what Caleb Watts might want to be one day. Tom Rogic, unfortunately missed out on the Socceroos squad, but he did get a goal whilst wearing green and gold, might add you, for West Brom against Sunderland. It's mighty similar to the Australian kid as well, the the new green. Mm. So that's a bit fun. Tommy Ross is clearly just imagining, oh, I'm at the World Cup. I'm wearing the green and gold. And it channeled the performance because he, he was one of the best players on the pitch, really coming off the bench in the 58th minute, scored a beautiful goal. Like, Tom Rosick has a way that most of his goals look beautiful. And this one was, once again, a delight to watch. Edge of the area, I believe it was first time, hammered the thing into the bottom corner, uh, with his leg going in a different direction. Kane kind of came off the outside of his foot or laced it and it's curved away. It, it was a lovely shot, a lovely finish. And 
for a Tom Rosic who's entering the end of his career, it's good for the profile of Australian football. It feels weird to say that because he's only 29, but he may feature at the Asian Cup. He may not. He has to have a stellar end of the season, I think, to push into our midfield. But I've always loved to see a player like Tommy Rosic doing well uh, because I think he's a class human. And it's good to see him getting it on, on the football pitch because Australians succeeding overseas will actually only do good things for our players in earning moves overseas from our domestic leagues. This is true. You don't think that Tom Rogic can make a run and reignite his career at West Brom to maybe feature at the next World Cup? Next World Cup, I know. He'll be 33, I believe, by then. Um, It's always a bit tricky right now because the World Cup's in such a weird time. But 33 years of age, Tommy Rogic has historically struggled with his fitness and he's shown no signs of fixing that fitness issue so I do think at that point his legs probably would have gone and we have a number of good young Australian midfielders coming through even in his position uh, that will probably edge him out uh, and already has started to edge him out with players like Christich and McGree. Fair enough finally a player who is fighting it out in the lower tiers of England we saw him in the A-Leagues last season and he's gone back over to England. He's on loan currently at Crew Alexandra. Lachlan Brook popped up with a goal in a 2-1 loss for Crew against Newport County. He did. And to be honest, it was one of his best games of the season for Crew Alexandra, apart from, I believe it was his first game uh, where he scored or something like that. I can't quite remember. It was a while ago. World Cup has kind of thrown my football calendar out the window, but... One of his best games in a while. He, It's a good player, uh, Lachlan Brook, but he just has no end product. So getting goals is a big thing for him. And if he can build a consistent finishing factor, it will bode really well for his development, which is at a key crossroads now, 21 years of age. And because right now, time of recording, it is December, and hopefully time of upload it is December. You'd be uh, concerned if it takes me a full 15 days to <laughs> upload this thing. I, I would be concerned, uh, but... Actually, time this month is his last month in his loan contract. He's set to go back to Brentford B in January. So it'll be interesting to see if that loan is extended or if he is sent somewhere else because he hasn't had a stellar season so far. He's he's featured and he's played regular minutes, uh, but he really hasn't been consistent enough in terms of creating goal-scoring opportunities for himself and teammates. Uh, that would really warrant the optimism of a Brentford B. And we could see a situation where Lachlan Brook is on the move very soon. There you go. A, a player that, once again, has featured, at least in Oli Roo's squads, Hosine Billity. He's made a move to Portugal just this year, and he made his debut for Mafra. He did. Uh, I mean, wasn't anything to write home about, but just played first team football which is a big thing for Hosan Billity because it's been a while it's been a while and he's a player with some decent potential I think when you look at the centre-backs coming through the Australian system he it's nothing to scoff about he's a good young player but he's playing first team football and I think right now when you look around that's important for his development because he's going to be contending with the Kai Truans the John Courtney Perkins, the Dan Halls of the world, to be one of those peripheral centre-backs in the Australian squad. And it's really similar to Lachlan Brook, a big point in his career because 
He could either very quickly develop into that player or he could kind of struggle. And getting this match, getting this start is really important for him and hopefully it's something for him to build off of and become the player that people expect him to be, which is a belly right kind of level player for the Socceroos. Yeah, that would be massive for him to at least reach the levels of Bailey Wright. And, and hopefully this move to Portugal turns out to be a good one. We know that moving to any new team, it takes a while for players to adjust. And so hopefully he's able to find his feet quickly. A player who has found his feet quickly in the Netherlands is Joshua Rawlins. He's been impressing at the moment for Utrecht. And a player that six months ago, especially off the back of the most recent I think it was Oli Roos or Young Socceroos campaign where he was very, very good. I remember discussing saying, well, who's going to play at the World Cup for Australia when we weren't sure whether Frank Karacic was going to be there necessarily. And I remember throwing around names like Rawlins, like Lewis Miller, Atkinson as well. There's a bright future that Australia has at right back. And, and Rawlins is proving that he deserves to be in that conversation. I would say none brighter than Joshua Rawlins as well. He's absolutely lighting it up in the Eretisa League. And most recently, 90 minutes against Young Ajax. I mean, I say 90 minutes. It's not really a surprise he's getting 90 minutes. He's featuring week in, week out for FC Utrecht in the second division of the Netherlands. But Young Ajax, a very good side. It is Ajax's second side. So it isn't their senior team. Uh, features many young players, but it's the highest most impressive youngsters in Netherlands, typically. And he was sensational. He completely nullified their winger. And Rasmussen, the winger, is he's a good player, Christian Rasmussen, the Danish youth international. He's a very talented player, very tricky player. And the Rollins, the composure he showed, but then the ability to overlap and cause issues in the midfield as well. He kind of snuck inside, caused Fitzgerald to have a very poor game. And it was a win for young FC Utrecht against the best team in the country in terms of youth football, young Ajax. And it's one of the best youth leagues. So really impressive from the 18-year-old man, I say. And, I mean, it bodes well for his future because I think a first thing call-up we could see at some point this season. There you go. It would be great to see him called up into that senior team and establish himself like some of our other young players have been doing, especially the ones that have made the move from the Australian leagues just in the last year. James, this week, this last 48 hours, has been a difficult one for the A-Leagues and for fans of the A-Leagues as we come to terms with what the future of the game might look like here. But on the pitch, at least over the weekend, there were promising signs that at least the footballing product is looking okay. Who was impressing you in Australia this week? I'll just go through the games, really. So in the first game of the weekend uh, in the domestic league for Australia, we saw Alex Popovich. He's really come of age now. He's really stepping into be a really fine young centre-back and will likely feature for the Socceroos at some point, I'd argue. He's kind of catching up quite click, quickly to that Thomas Dang level when he's surprised to see him make a move overseas fairly soon because his composure, his, well, defensive abilities, but also his leadership abilities and how he organises the defence, it, it's phenomenal to see. 
And it really was a game for a centre-back because Truen and Courtney Perkins, a bit behind, I'd say, Popovich in terms of developmental level, uh, but in terms of potential, right up there with him. And they also put in very good performances. So three centre-backs really impressing in the first match day in our domestic league here in Australia. What did you make of that game? Because I saw, I was there, and when Iren Kunda was subbed on, the complexity of that Adelaide side changed completely. Goodwin was meant to be in the side, but then he came down with a cold. And I thought that Adelaide really struggled, at least to try and break down that raw defense. And it wasn't until Irwin Kunda came on where you start to see things unlock. He got the assist from a corner for Adelaide's goal. And, he, and there was another opportunity that he had one-on-one with Macklin Freak and he kind of just hit it at Freak. Freak did well to make himself large uh, and, and block the shot. But I thought that Aaron Kunda really showed, especially at his young age, what he can do. And I hope for his sake, and even I'm sure we'll get to the Central Coast game in a second, but for players like himself and, and Garang, who still hasn't had a start, he, he started on the bench, proving that, hey, Maybe we should be starting and, and seeing more of these young players that provide something different to a lot of the other wingers we see in the A-League already. 110%. Erin um, Kunda with the assist. To be taking set pieces at the age of 16 is is insane. Like, that is crazy. You don't see that very often. It's usually always a senior player. So to see him at the age of 16 taking set pieces says a lot. And for me, I think he's probably better than Grang in terms of a technical basis. He's a better footballer than Grang Kowal. I think Grang Kowal right now has shown he has a better mentality and has better mental attributes than Aaron Kunda. But if Aaron Kunda can continue to grow in terms of that leadership, that discipline, the teamwork, I think he'll be one of the best Australian football products that we have ever seen. That's how good he is. That's how good he is technically. And we should see him starting. And in fact... A bit, a bit of a teaser, Lachlan. A bit of a teaser for when we speak about the Asian Cup and the games leading into that. I think we should be angling for Aaron Kunda to be on the plane to Qatar for Australia in the Asian Cup. I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. That would be very nice. Uh, James, also this weekend, you then had Wellington Phoenix against the Wanderers playing out a one-all draw. Yeah, and really not much to write home about when you look at both squads, except for one player who has developed <laughs> insanely, really, over the course of the season, Callum Noyanoff. He had injury struggles uh, at his previous employers, where he didn't really feature because of those injuries, but has always been a player of high potential. And now, earning a move to their rivals, Noyanoff has really come alive. He's developed insanely over the course of this season. When you look at the start of a season where he was... Very, very good. Very, very influential in terms of keeping tempo, moving the ball quickly, closing down angles. He has come on leaps and bounds in just this season where he has really just been thrown into the fray, regular 90 minutes, which is what we need for young footballers in this country. And he has grown into the player that he now is because he can dictate tempo. He can play slow. He can play fast. He can defend well. He can hold good angles. And he's really starting to become a true all-round box-to-box midfielder. I wouldn't be surprised to see him also be on the plane potentially to Europe in the next 12 months. I wouldn't be surprised to see there be some serious interest from the Scottish leagues, from the English leagues, for a player like Neuenhoff, because 
He is talented and he has shown that he has exponential growth in him that can still be unlocked despite the injuries he suffered earlier in his career. Yeah, Callan Neuenhoff is just really one of those names that over the last two seasons, he's been one to watch. He really has been. And since moving to the Wanderers, that Wanderers side is looking very good. They're playing some nice football and they're getting the results from it. And he's been key to the results that they've been seeing in that side. So fantastic work from him. Sydney FC, Melbourne victory. 2-1 win for Sydney FC, but your boy, J-Mac, scored a pen, mate. Mate, he, he just does it, doesn't he? He just does it. I mean, if world football was a penalty competition, I think Jamie McLaren would be one of the best of all time. Here's a question, James. I know you have, you've got English blood. Does J-Mac score for England against Lloris the other morning? The second one? Um... J-Mac does usually like to go to the right. So if you give him the second penalty, I think there's a good chance he does score. There you go. Clip that. <laughs> there you go. Jamie McLaren scores. He was born, I believe, in England. So he eligible, technically, to represent. Definitely at least in the United Kingdom. I believe. So, I mean, we've got him for Australia. And I'd rather J-Mac tapping in our pens than Harry Kane, that's for sure. Oh, all day, every day, mate. Uh, hey, anyone else in that City-Sydney game stand out for you? Uh, I mean, I think Max Burgess had a good game, but he isn't really relevant, I think, in terms of the discussion for the Socceroos. Uh, people think of him as a young player still, uh, but he's just not. It's just taken a millennia for Sydney FC to play a young player for once, and now he's not a young player, so that's really the mid of potatoes. There you go. He is, in fact, 27 years age. Yeah. <laughs> which... Yeah, it feels like he was just 23 yesterday, uh, but... For whatever reason, that club decided not to develop young players for a good four years. And hey, James, this last 48 hours has felt like three years. So I understand why it, it might feel like Max Burgess was only 23 yesterday. I feel like I've aged considerably. Hey, <laughs> looking across at the other games in the A-Leagues this weekend, players that have impressed you in that Perth Glory Western United match, James? Um, well, I think Mustafa Mini. He's back, baby. He's back. He's back. I don't know if he'll have enough time to prove that he should have stayed in Europe uh, in terms of his talent. But hey, good to see him back playing football uh, despite all the struggles with injury and COVID he had. But the big player in terms of me, for me, in terms of this podcast is a young dual international, Kiwi. Australia has featured in the Kiwi youth ranks. Uh, for me, it's it's utterly shocking how long it's taken for him to feature in a 90-minute match in the highest level of domestic football in Australia. It's Keegan Jelicic. He is so talented. I remember going to Lions FC games and seeing this scrawny little 17-year-old kid dominate the midfield. Be just insanely good, moving into attacking positions, getting into the half space, the channels. And then Brisbane's national side picked him up. Uh, and he, he, he never played, despite probably should have been playing because they, they sucked and they should have been developing young players. He then moves over to WA in Perth, finally features in 90 minutes, and is shown straight away why he should have been playing. 90 minutes, an assist, a phenomenal performance, moving into the half spaces, causing issues, allowing the fullback to overlap, and... For me, it was their man of the match. I know a lot of people uh, appreciate Jack Clisby and his goal, but I think it was because of 
kicking Jelicic's movement that Klusby was able to have such a good game. So, for me, the man of the match in this game and really one to look out for, only 20 years of age and we're at a really interesting situation because he is probably about to get a senior call-up for the All-Whites. And do the, the, do the Australian Football Federation, do they look to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, look, mate, come feature for the Ollie Roos. Come feature. You can still make it for the Socceroos. Do, do we have that kind of pulling power, that convincing to say, hey, come play youth football? Or instead of committing to your international future, kind of what Italy are doing to Volpato right now? Mm. Do we have that? I don't know, but it's certainly something that has to happen because I think he has the potential to play for the Socceroos, but he's not quite there yet. Yeah, I think for a player like Keegan, especially when you have a, a tie to a nation like New Zealand as well, who are, are so close to Australia, you can see why if he doesn't feel like he can make the Socceroos, he might choose New Zealand. Or maybe if he feels like a stronger connection, he feels closer to New Zealand, he can, he'll choose to play there. And no shame for him for doing that either. It's one to really watch in in the years to come, I think, as he continues to progress as a footballer. Central Coast Mariners, 2-1, loss to Newcastle Jets. The F3 derby, the concrete pole has gone to the Jets. Yeah, it has. Uh, coming through the goal, uh, which... In terms of the Socceroos, is probably the biggest storyline. Goran Kowal having the best game off the bench. Uh, but for me, it was really an impressive performance for from Angus Thurgate and Daniel Steins who got the assist. Angus Thurgate, 22 years of age, really coming to age now as a footballer. Lachlan, he played 46 passes in the derby. He misplaced one. That is insane. 98% pass completion, which is insanely good. Uh, if if you don't watch much football and you're listening to this podcast, one, thank you. Uh, two, that is insane. You, I mean, we usually see the best midfielders in the world, usually only around 90 to 93%. So that speaks volumes to how good Angus Sturgate is technically. But, in, but aside from that, we also saw Daniel Steins, who has always been touted as a decent Australian prospect, uh, decent on the wing, some good pace. 24 years of age now, and he kind of has never really got going, but now, with an assist to his name, it could be an opportunity to really propel him and have that sudden burst into onto the scene, which he could have, and um, which many expected from uh, Rene Piscopo to continue, because he kind of had a floundering career, came to Wellington, burst onto the scene, and now moving to Newcastle hasn't really been that great. Uh, but Daniel Stein's in a position now where he could have a bit of a resurgence in his career, really step into the player he could be. And with an assist to his name, it's something that just gives confidence. It really does. And I love watching games like the F3 derby because some would argue that the big, the big teams from Melbourne and Sydney, they're the ones that play the most exciting football. But there's something unique about the rivalry between those from the Central Coast and those at Newcastle. And Pappas is a manager that we know has had experience all around the world. We saw that in the Access All Areas 
illegal access. I can't remember. The AAA, the branding of that documentary series lost on me a little bit. But we saw in the documentary just how much it means to him as a manager. And, and even then in the Garang Kowal episode, we saw how well Monty is doing managing that Central Coast side. So you've got two young managers who are really trying to make a name for themselves, but are playing exciting football doing so. So I wish there were more F3 derbies to watch because it, it's a great fixture and one that is definitely worth watching, especially for the young players that are coming through. Finally, MacArthur against Melbourne victory. Falami with the result, salvaging it at the end against a MacArthur side that, I'll be honest, I thought would have been much higher up on the ladder this season. Yeah, another uh, lacklustre performance based on expectations from that side. Uh, but for me, Falami really made the difference. It was a very even match on terms of opportunities, possession, um, shots in general. And I'd argue that uh, MacArthur slightly edged it in terms of goal-scoring opportunities. But at the end of the day, Melbourne Victory had one chance and they took it with Ben Falami. Uh, good goal, great finish, might I say. Phenomenal finish in terms of where it ended up. And a really important finish for him personally because has struggled at the start of the season. Hasn't really featured uh, for much for the Melbourne side as of late. Uh, for Popovich's side, because of the inclusion of Nanny, the side has had to change. And it was a really important appearance for Flamy because he kind of changed the outlook of the game when he came on, gave some pace, gave an injection of life to the game and it was a good finish as he came on in the 58th minute for Bruno uh, but for me the biggest change was probably when Nicolas D'Agostino came off he had a decent game but Volupole also changed the outlook of the game a bit more pace on the wings uh, a bit more of a direct runner up front and as good as D'Agostino was last season for Tony Popovich's side he has not been good this season to be honest does not really move the needle that much and they're much better off playing a forward line I think featuring Falami and Nani and Economides. I think that's a better well-rounded forward line you move Nani into a central position uh, and then you allow Jack Brimmer to have a bit more movement in terms of the attacking spaces ahead of him there you go James coming for the job of Tony Popovich right there uh, just before we finish there were some big Moves rumoured off the back of the World Cup. Harry Sutar, lots of clubs in the Premier League seeming to line up for him. Keanu Bacchus as well getting quite a bit of interest in the championship and right across Europe. And one that really surprised me, maybe because they saw how well his brother was doing, Alou Kowal, rumoured to Manchester United. Now, I don't know whether that was a rumour bot or whether there is legitimate interest there at all, but what do you make of these three players all picking up quite a bit of interest. I mean, great Barry Suter. He was getting interest from West Ham and Tottenham before the ACL injury. So great to see that he has come back strong from this. And I'll admit it, I'm a bit surprised how quickly he's come back. So, and I love being wrong in this way. So congratulations, Harry Suter. You did it. Good job. And I hope whoever Premier League side signs him, they also sign the physiotherapist that was in charge of his rehabilitation because my goodness have they done a good job he looks more agile than ever with the way he was throwing himself into tackles at the world cup uh in terms of Bacchus I think 
out time, to be honest. <laughs> it's a bit surprising to me that it has taken him this long uh, to get the interest that he deserves. And I think he'll do a phenomenal job. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, championship is a very natural move, I guess. But I wouldn't mind seeing him, I don't know, go to Germany, where I think his skill set matches up very, really well. I think, if anything, maybe a bit of a Metcalf backer swap deal would be best Ooh. for both of them, in a way. Uh, because Bacchus's game suits Germany. Metcalf's game suits United Kingdom. So maybe a bit of fun in that way. But in all reality, I think the most likely outcome is he'll stay in an English-speaking nation. He'll probably move to the championship. And I think he'll do very, very well there because he's just a very, very good midfielder. And finally, Alu Kowal. Uh, I, I, I honestly think the scouts may have gotten mixed up with his brother. No disrespect to Alu Kowal. He just hasn't really played for Stuttgart yet, nor has he played for their second team recently either. Uh, hasn't been playing enough football to warrant a move to Manchester United. And look, it, it, it it's a bit of a peculiar one. Feels a bit like the Trent Sainsbury to Inter Milan move in a way, where no one believed it, but then it happened. So crazy things have happened in Australian football before, and you can put this move up there if it does happen with Trent Sainsbury to Inter Milan of just crazy Australian footballing moments. That'll wrap it up for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We're in a very interesting time of supporting this game in Australia. Overseas, the Aussies that are killing it, we will be tracking them and be following them and this action tonight won't affect that too much. But as for A-League games going forward, don't know. Don't know what actually is going to happen and that's somewhat concerning. But you can bet we will be following future and fringe Socceroos players wherever they go. And we'll be with you with another episode in the coming week. Thanks so much for listening. You can get in touch with us on our socials at Pod. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, even though it was a little bit strange, give us a rating, share it with a mate, and let's go and rebuild Australian football. Catch you next week. And if you don't hear from us before then, Merry Christmas.